We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. that DeAndre Hopkins is still an Arizona Cardinal, despite how much buzz has been around his trade tendency throughout this entire offseason. But that is still the case. He's still in Arizona at the time of this taping. Yeah, and how much longer that remains to be the case is a conversation for another time because Hop finally spoke on the possibility of playing alongside Lamar with the Ravens. Now, he didn't specifically say with the Ravens, but Lamar's under contract for the next five years. So there you have it. And DeAndre's set to turn 31 at some point soon. I believe it's actually next month, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, here's D-Hop on the I Am Athlete podcast. Uh, I love Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is one of my favorite athletes and since I've been watching sports. I'm a, I'm a sports fan. Uh, so I, I was watching Lamar when he played Clemson my alumni and I was like who is this kid so I've been a fan of Lamar for a long time uh, so you know obviously he's one of the greats and you know I would, I would be lying to sit here and say you know it wouldn't be an honor one day uh, you know if my career allows me to play that long to play with a great guy and a great quarterback like Lamar or you know with Tom Brady I was like I want to play with a Tom Brady I'm a receiver you know Marsh you know how it is As yes, receiver, right. you want to play you want to play with some of the best quarterbacks uh, you know, that's out there. And, and Lamar is obviously one of those. So obviously extremely high praise for Lamar there. And hey, awfully good company for him to be in when the GOAT is referenced. But Sarah, what stands out to me the most here is that D-Hop is basically suggesting that if he were to have the opportunity to play alongside number eight, it wouldn't exactly be imminent. The quote that also stood out is this, quote, if my career allows me to play that long, that's what he said exactly, and that caught my ear. Yeah, so I mean, it's not super realistic that the two play together for now, and that, that quote is telling. Plus, he did name several other quarterbacks that he would like to play with, but obviously Lamar is definitely on that list. And, you know, all this matches up with what we've been gathering since Eric DaCosta splurged on Odell Beckham Jr. The Ravens are more likely set to ride with the way their wide receiver room is currently constructed. 
they've totally retooled with OBJ, Zay Flowers, and then Nelson Aguilar. And then they're returning Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay, both of whom had their seasons cut short due to foot injuries a year ago. So the only way I could see Hopkins coming to Baltimore this season, maybe it could happen in the future, but this season, it would be if the Ravens, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but uh, if they sustained a few injuries at the position leading up to the trade deadline, and maybe if that same during that same time the Cardinals are struggling, which many are predicting they'll do, and they have a losing record, then maybe the Cardinals would drop their price and even pay for some of Hopkins' cap space the way you know the Bears did with Roquan Smith last year. So, listen, the Ravens are all in this season, and if injuries were to pile up at the position, I don't think EDC would let those injuries derail a postseason push. They just can't do it. So I could see him pulling the trigger in that case, but as of right now, I think this is who the Ravens are riding with. They're healthy guys they already have on the roster. Uh, that's exactly where I'm at with things as well. Plus, Arizona's asking price has seemingly fluctuated throughout this offseason. So, I don't know. Perhaps the Ravens aren't willing to meet that kind of compensation at this point. But here's one more nugget from Hop. You just mentioned it a second ago. He listed out his top five quarterbacks he'd want to play with. One of my favorite quarterbacks that I've, I've been watching since he came in the league is Josh Allen. Josh Ooh. Allen, he reminds me of, he reminds me of an old school or of a new school Andrew Luck. Mm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I love Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, man, he's he, he Houston kid, your dog, Jalen. Uh, number three, who I would love to to have a ball thrown, but oh man, Patrick Mahomes obviously. Ooh, number oh four, num- number four. I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, I gotta go with the underdog, man. The people, not not a lot of people. People respect this guy, but you know, as a as a throwing quarterback, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, obviously, and number number five. And Justin Herbert rounded out his top five, but yeah, D Hop is a big Lamar Jackson believer, Sarah. Yeah, as are we. And I think he speaks for a good percentage of the NFL brotherhood, Bobby. It's always NFL players seem to speak more highly of him than, you know, some fans and national media. So, Sarah, over the weekend, we reported that Lamar would arrive in Owings Mills for the Ravens voluntary organized offseason activities this week. And that has indeed been proven true. He reported to team headquarters on Tuesday, according to the Athletics' Jeff Zarebek, one day ahead of the second OTA session scheduled for today, later this afternoon. And Bobby, this should really officially mark a turning point in this offseason. With contract negotiations behind us and with him in the building, there's really no need for drama or whining about him anymore. Now, now I'm not naive enough to think that no new complaints about Lamar will surface. He will forever be a polarizing figure. But listen, we didn't even know a couple months ago if he was going to be the franchise quarterback. I'm ready to enjoy the next few months. It's exciting times in Baltimore. I'm ready to soak it up until the season begins. This offensive roster is set, and now it's time to install this new Todd Munkin offense. And John Harbaugh told the Adam Jones podcast what that will look like. Yeah, well, Lamar's going to be ready, and he's going to be here doing the things he needs to do to learn the offense and be involved. And we're going to pace that out just a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't need him to be in there running, running the team thing full speed the first day or anything like that. That's really not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we pace 
him and the offense up together. So you got to work Odell in. we got to work Mark in. A lot of the younger guys have been here already. Tyler and, uh, and Anthony have been, have been running the offense even up until this OTA week that we're having right now. So uh, we're going to just pace our way up a little bit. But Lamar is going to merge in full speed as he goes, and he'll be ready to roll. I think he'll be rolling in minicamp. I know he'll be rolling in training camp. And, and uh, I'm just excited, man. I'm excited for him. <clears throat> I'm excited for the, uh, the weapons we got around him. The offensive line is going to be really good. So, partner, you've been on record last year that you didn't care if Lamar was at OTAs. That was last year. And while you weren't pounding the table for it, you did say it was more necessary this time around, right? Yeah, because, Bobby, circumstances have changed for sure. I mean, last year, Lamar obviously knew Greg Roman's offense like the back of his hand. He had all basically the same targets in the passing game. So I didn't think it was necessary from those standpoints. But let's also not forget that he was in the middle of contract negotiations. Not only is it a common practice for players who are negotiating to hold out of voluntary sessions, but some guys don't even show up for the mandatory ones either or even training camp. And I'll tell you what. There were a lot of people pounding the table for him to get an agent. If he had had an agent, I guarantee that that agent wouldn't have let him even step foot on the field during the regular season until he got a deal that he wanted. So I had no problem with him not being there last year, but Lamar loved his teammates and he loved the game too much to do that. In fact, I want to point out how much Lamar does love this game and his teammates because he's always actually had great OTA attendance prior to last year. He had been Bobby to every single one in his first four years of his career. And last year was the first time he missed. And again, it was due to that contract situation. He's honestly, he should have more of a reputation as being a workhorse, even when he was advised not to be. So to me, it's not a surprise that now that he has his contract behind him, that he's back to his normal routine and at OTAs. Okay, so being that circumstances have changed, let's get to your four benefits for him to be showing up this time around. Yeah, okay, so the first benefit is the most obvious, and that's that Todd Munkin is bringing a new offense to town, and Lamar Jackson is the linchpin of this offense. Right now, Lamar doesn't know the offense. The weapons don't know it. Nobody really knows it. So in order to hit the ground running week one, this time around, OTAs are going to help. Now, the second benefit will be to get on the same page with all his new weapons at wide receiver. Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar are all new to catching Lamar Jackson passes. And by the way, at tight end, Charlie Kohler, remember, he's coming back from injury too. So he doesn't, I don't even know if he caught any passes from Lamar last season. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that he was hurt before Lamar came during those mandatory sessions. And you know what? Sometimes guys will have instant chemistry. But sometimes it's a process of getting on the same page. So this will definitely be a benefit to having Lamar here. You know, as you're reading off those names, I'm thinking to myself how crazy it's going to be. The fact that Lamar's stepping onto the field with Odell Beckham Jr., two first rounders in Zay and Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar as more than just a depth piece, you hope, knowing that number eight won an MVP with Marquise Brown, Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed, and Miles Boykin. That was his wide receiver room. So you'd like <laughs> to think upgrade. on paper. Yeah, it is a big upgrade. Yeah. You'd like to think, hey, on paper, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch, assuming that everybody stays healthy. But on to your third benefit. Okay, well, I'll combine my final two, the third and fourth benefits, by leaning into a quote from former NFL head coach and ESPN analyst Herm Edwards. Well, it's very important. And, and 
you know, Adam mentioned the number, <laughs> 185 million guaranteed. You know, he needs to be there. Think about this. Two months ago, three months ago, we were we were worried about Lamar Jackson maybe not playing for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. He's back in the fold with the Ravens. This team has energy, but also this is what's unique about this situation. Lamar Jackson for years has been looked by looked upon by other uh, people outside of the organization. Well, he's kind of this quarterback, but he runs around, he makes a lot of plays, he's the MVP, but we don't know if he can really play from the pocket. Well, it behooves Lamar Jackson this year to learn how to play from the pocket. Why? Because he needs to finish the season. He's missed he's missed games at the end of the season in playoff runs. Now he has some people around him mm. where he can throw the ball in the pocket that can make plays for him. He doesn't have to make all the plays anymore. That's unique for Lamar Jackson. This is going to be fun to watch. Okay, so my third benefit is that Lamar will be able to use these transitions to get back to being a pass first quarterback that he already was at Louisville in college. Some people in the pros don't think he can do it. He already did in college. And you heard Edwards mention that Lamar can extend his career by being a pocket passer. Now, the only problem in how Edwards said it was that he implied that Lamar has been injured while running, which just isn't true. He was hurt both times the last two years from the pocket. That being said, I do agree with Herm when he said that Lamar will no longer need to be Superman at least the way he's been in the past. And in theory, having to run less, he'll still run, but having to run less should indeed extend his career. And so getting to my fourth and final benefit of attending OTAs is simply just positive optics for Lamar and less angst and drama surrounding him. Now you'll notice Edwards mentioned that clip that Lamar's contract is a reason that you come to OTAs. I personally disagree. It's often the guys with the biggest contracts that don't need to come. And I felt that way about Ray Lewis, Ed Reed and trail Suggs too. That being said, this brand new contract combined with new weapons that Lamar did request. And then this new offense the optics wouldn't have looked good if he were absent. So optics to me, it's not a real reason to come, but it certainly is a benefit. And I know I'll take it getting past all the drama and all the hand wringing and all the whining will certainly be welcomed. Still to come here on the vault. Chuck Clark had a lot to say about his former organization during his first press conference as a New York jet. Stay tuned. Bobby, former Ravens safety Chuck Clark. He met with the New York media for the first time since being traded to the Jets earlier this offseason and seemingly had to get some stuff off of his chest. Yeah, and Sarah, after not missing a single defensive snap in 2022 and being developed into a reliable starter as a former sixth-round pick back in 2017 by Baltimore, I got to be honest, I was surprised to hear Chuck speak about his former club the way he did on Tuesday. Now, remember, Chuck was traded to New York back in March for a future seventh rounder, and he was asked on Tuesday by New York media if he saw it coming at the time. Uh, yeah, I saw it coming. Uh, I asked for that last year, and uh, they wouldn't do it last year. And so they, we finally kind of got, got to an agreement throughout the year, like, okay, you know, when the year is over, you know, we knew what was going to happen. So I, I was ready to get out of there. Why? Uh, just the situation that I was put in and uh, I, they, the things that were said to me and the, posi- the position that I felt that I was on the team, I wasn't being respected at the time. So it was time for a new change. So, again, some strong words there from Chuck, who really was nothing but mild mannered, businesslike, 
and by the book throughout his time with the Ravens, which is why it caught me so off guard, Sarah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we did know that he wasn't thrilled, right, with the team's decision to spend big free agent dollars on Marcus Williams just to then draft Kyle Hamilton 14th overall the following month. And Bobby, both you and I praised him several times as being a consummate pro with the way he handled himself after not getting his trade request granted. I remember he said that they'd have to take his starting spot from him and he competed and never let that starting spot go. I respected him and still do so much for that. So to go from that, that consummate pro to now leaving and then saying he was disrespected. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm, I was surprised a little bit. Now, we don't know all that happened behind the scenes, but what we do know and Chuck admitted this. We do know that he felt slightly disrespected in part because of Kyle Hamilton's presence. And Bobby, this is where I just don't agree. I've said this before with other guys like Patrick Queen. I do not agree with players' feelings of disrespect just because a team drafts prospects out of college, whether that's the first round, fourth round, or whenever. Do they expect Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh to get their permission? to draft other players at their position? Do they have to get their permission? Like, is it okay if I draft a fourth rounder, but no, I can't do a first rounder. Uh, Listen, I still got lots of love for Chuck, but sorry, that is just not how things work. Iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, that's kind of what we hear feels like every single summer throughout a season, um, you know, in Baltimore, when it comes to competition, building a roster, you name it. But, uh, I wanted to dig a little deeper into the Kyle Hamilton piece of this puzzle because I was recently told that Chuck didn't exactly welcome the rookie in with open arms last summer. So here he is in that same press conference from Tuesday when asked if it was indeed Kyle's arrival that had him feeling some type of way. Yeah, I, yeah that and a few other things that happened as well. And like I said, I was a starter on the team and not trying to go too far into it, but as far as contract talks and money talks, you know, it, it was some things that weren't being respected there at the moment. So, yeah. so Sarah, clearly there was something more going on aside from the fact that competition was added around him. And it sure sounds like he has his gripes with Baltimore's front office about the business side of things. Now, Something clearly changed after his exit interview back in January, not long after the Bengals lost, which sounded like this. We'll figure it out. We can talk in the next couple weeks and whatnot, but I don't know. Do you have a sense of what you want to happen? Yeah, I know what I want to happen. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, it ain't up to me at the end of the day. I mean, I would like to control it, but we'll see. And is, is that to stay here and keep, keep doing? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a team that drafted me. You know, I, I've been here all my career, comfortable here. I know the, know the guys, the locker room, the environment. But, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes my guys step out of their comfort zone. You know, I mean, you never know what's gonna happen. Okay, Bobby, as much as we've discussed the idea of certain Ravens players needing to prove themselves to the organization, right, by attending voluntary OTAs, I wonder, is it fair to discuss if the organization needs to prove itself to the players, at least in the strength and conditioning department? You know what? Given how loud of an offseason it was in that department, I think it's more than fair to wonder 
And that's exactly what Glenn Clark did during his local radio show on Tuesday in Baltimore. And we remember that report card that came out where like literally everyone in the NFL got positive grades for their strength staff, except for one team that got an F minus and like a legitimately, I've never seen this in Ravens history before where players, including active players came out so strongly against Steve Saunders and the strength staff in Baltimore. And I just wonder what the impact of that is. And if, you know, when you just replace the guy with the guy that was working with him before, I've I've not been able to get guys to tell me directly that they still think it's a problem, but I I can't imagine that everybody is just copacetic when it was clearly that poisonous to the point where the Ravens, who were the most injured team in football for a couple of years and who had players directly blaming the strength that staff for that, I wonder how that impacts these types of situations. So first off, we know that the Ravens dismissed strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders back in February and then promoted his assistant scott elliott to serve as his replacement right away now knowing the team literally received an f minus on their player driven report card for strength and conditioning specifically i find it more than fair to wonder whether players would rather spend time focusing right on their trusted training regimens instead of committing to something brand new perhaps it's not fully brand new but maybe it hasn't been fully bought into quite yet given everything that's transpired over the last couple of years. Yeah, totally. I mean, they could stay, some of these guys could stay in their home States and be with trainers that they trust. And so, you know, the Ravens are saying, no, come to us, come trust us again after getting an F minus. So yeah, I, I mean, that's, I think that's totally fair. And I know you spent some time on Tuesday gathering Intel. Okay. From both current and past players on this exact topic. So What were you able to come up with? Yeah, I did. And before we get there, though, I just wanted to share one more clip from Glenn's show from when he was joined by PFT's Mike Florio, who suggested that John Harbaugh may have been guilty of enabling Saunders and the strength training culture they were all in on under his leadership. Listen to this. You just wonder how much of their attitude is a manifestation of what the head coach I I agree. And how much it goes back to John Harbaugh. Yep. I, I strongly agree with that, right? Like, we know John Harbaugh is a guy that's kind of like he, if he had his way, three a days would still exist, right? Like, that's his mentality. And I, again, I've never sensed that it created a rift between the players and John Harbaugh. I've had nobody tell me anything like that. But it's, it's weird to me how we've just kind of not like the, so publicly, Rashad Bateman, who is going to be a significant part of this football team, was attacking publicly what existed here. And we're just kind of moving on from that because we were so distracted by the Lamar Jackson topic over the course of the last few months. So along those same lines, Sarah, I reached back out to former Raven Derek Wolf, who really kickstarted this entire conversation, if you remember, right last year when I went on his Denver radio show before the Ravens and Broncos faced off. And he told me Tuesday this week that Harbaugh definitely enabled Steve Saunders and that Saunders was the reason the Ravens typically start to fall apart physically as the duration of a season goes on. Derek told me that Saunders is the reason the whole team got COVID in 2020 and Derek's, which he's he's talked about that many times before. And he also said he felt that that team in 2020 during the pandemic season was championship caliber. 
Yeah, I mean, Derek essentially doubled down on past remarks aimed at Saunders there. He's on record for telling you last year that Saunders' program is the sole reason that he was forced to retire from the NFL abruptly and prematurely. Which certainly legitimized Rashad Bateman's Twitter outburst back in March, which is right around the same time that these report cards were released. Now, there's more from Derek, though, because I was curious and honestly still am curious about how Scott Elliott's presence changes things from a strength training standpoint, being that he worked under Saunders. Derek told me that he still loves the assistant coaches who were under Saunders and that they're great dudes. He also singled out Elliott and called him awesome. Now, as for what a current player just told me on Tuesday, uh, this player has been fully entrenched in the offseason program. He had to say this, quote, it's definitely different, but I think in a good way. There's a better vibe in the workouts and I believe guys are liking it so far. Close quote. All right, Bobby, not long after the Ravens parted ways with Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson made it clear that he wanted to run a pro style offense as he once did in a super successful way under Bobby Petrino at Louisville and listening to him talk with the media Wednesday he seems, <laughs> I mean, beyond excited. I haven't seen Lamar this happy in a while. He seems so happy about the handcuffs starting to come off. You know, Sarah, while he technically wasn't under contract long term the day that John Harbaugh hired Todd Munkin as Baltimore's newest offensive coordinator, I'd say he got what he wished for that day. Coach, like, basically just giving us the keys to the offense, really. Um, you know, you can change things when you want to. You know, you see the defense is not looking right to you. Um, see some guy blitzing. You might want your receiver to do something different. Coach giving you the free will to do whatever you want to. Yeah, that sounds like full autonomy to me, which is not the style of offense he ran under Greg Roman over the last four years in the NFL, Sarah. Yeah, I think it was far from it. And Lamar was later asked, based on what he's seen so far, if he expects to run less in this Munkin-led offense. This was a theme of the day. You tell me if, he, if he's going to be happy about this once you hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely, especially with the receivers we have. Bay, OBJ, Zay, Dove, Pro, all those guys. You got Isaiah, the tight end. I can't say Zay. Isaiah, the tight end. Mark, my guy. Um, it's looking real good. You know, less running and more throwing. I say, you know, I hear a lot of noise about throwing and stuff like this. Yards to achieve and stuff, but I'm not really worried about the yards as much. as It's about us just winning. So that, that'll be all the winning category, if anything. I tell you what, so far this is shaping up to be exactly what Munkin's calling card is spread the ball around cover every blade of grass as Lewis Riddick once said earlier this offseason and do so with balance creativity and explosiveness they have the playmakers to do all of that it's just a matter of putting it all into for right like putting it all together Here's more from Lamar on what he's enjoying. I mean, just being able to throw the ball down the field. You know, we sometimes, sometimes, you know, we can't run and not going. Running can only take you so far, you know, and I feel like with, with this new era of uh, teams and offenses in the league, I feel like we need that. And Coach Todd Munkin, what I'm saying, his offense so far is looking tremendous. Yeah, you can definitely hear the excitement in his voice, which wasn't always the case throughout parts of last year. It's like, it's like Munkin is a breath of fresh air for Lamar. It seems like the free he's been given and the emphasis on throwing more is exactly what Lamar was looking for and if there's one thing to know about Todd Munkin's coaching style if you didn't already know this is that you're gonna feel 
and hear his presence. Not even just practice, I want to say, G, I'll say, uh, even in the meeting room, like, Coach very active. Like, he, he's talking and, like, you're enjoying it, like, the learning process of what he's saying, you know, teaching us the, uh, the new offense, and it's fun. You know, Sarah, we've already caught up on this offline, but having spent some time with Todd last weekend at Preakness at Pimlico here in town, I can confidently tell you that this guy knows how to captivate a room and command your attention. He's spirited. He's loud. He's sarcastically funny. And he just has a super dynamic personality. And speaking of personality, one of my big takeaways from Lamar's press conference on Wednesday is that, you know what? His jovial, playful, fun self, it seems to be back when interacting with local media during these press conferences. And, you know, another thing, too, he basically vowed to focus on one specific area of leadership ahead of his sixth NFL season. And I thought this was really compelling. Uh, I feel like just being you, you know, at the end of the day, guys just want to see you being you and true to yourself and true to them as well, you know. And I just say, um, I'm going to try to be more of a vocal leader, you know, because the coach was like, you need to start speaking more. <laughs> but it was like, you know, I just try to um, lead by example, if anything. But um, I try to be more of a vocal leader, if anything. Is that on the field or off the field? Where are you? Both. So, look, Lamar isn't Ray Lewis, and he doesn't need to be. He's earned the respect of his teammates by letting his play and how he handles himself off the field do the talking. So, honestly, I see this extra motivation to be vocal. I see it as gravy on top of the equity he's already built with his teammates, partner. Yeah, still to come here on The Vault. Highlights from the practice field of OTAs. And John Harbaugh gives a telling answer when asked how he feels about players that are absent from these voluntary sessions. Okay, Sarah, while all eyes were on Lamar and Munkin's new offense, believe it or not, there were other things that were going down out at OTAs. So what do you have? Yeah, Bobby, it was a packed house with plenty of other notable players in attendance in addition to Lamar, including veterans in safety Marcus Williams, tackle Morgan Moses, Roquan Smith, the new leader of the defense, and Patrick Queen. Those two guys, the last two, they emerged from the tunnel and ran onto the field together with Roquan wearing his new number zero. And watching those guys, it's not hard to think that they will be one of, if not the best inside linebacker duo this coming season. Elsewhere, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Devin Duvernay, and Nelson Aguilar were all there. But, of course, Bateman and Duvernay, the Ravens are being a little bit more cautious with them as they're coming off of those season-ending foot injuries, so they were held back a little bit. Now, Bateman is further ahead of Duvernay, seeing as he sustained his injury much earlier. And then number eight was asked for his impressions of both Bate and Zay since it's been a minute since he's thrown passes to Rashad. And then obviously Zay is new to the team. So here's Lamar on them. Well, it's great to see my guy back out there. Receiver one, for sure. Um, I'm glad to see him back healthy. Um, can't wait to hear on the field. Uh, Zay shifted. Zay very fast, explosive. Um, he can stop on a dime. I know y'all seen that. Like I seen it yesterday when you guys wasn't here, and I seen it today, so he's smooth. Now, not everybody was in attendance, uh, while many of them were. And according to ESPN's Jamison Hensley, the guys that were missing included the following. Wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., tight end Mark Andrews, running back J.K. Dobbins, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, guard Kevin Zeitler, 
cornerback Marlon Humphrey, but as we know, Marlon's been to some of those football schools. Then also missing was outside linebacker Tyus Bowser and then safety Kyle Hamilton, who we also have seen at some of these voluntary sessions before. And meanwhile, running back Gus Edwards, he was there, but he was off working to the side. Yeah, and on top of all that, I feel like it's a good segue here. John Harbaugh was asked about how important attendance is for these voluntary sessions, and I thought his answer was telling. I'm happy with the numbers. I mean, we've got a lot of guys here, Jamison. Uh, the numbers are really high. Uh, that's that's exciting. Uh, the energy is really good. Uh, I, I always, you know, I mean, I think it's important. I, I'm a coach. You know, I want everybody here, you know, and I want I want, you know, I want every player here all the time doing everything they can. Now, is that necessarily the best thing? I don't know. You know, I mean, I got there's everybody's got their own circumstance and that's OK. You know, I think about what OBJ is doing, for instance, out there in Arizona. I don't have any problem with that or what Mark's doing out there. No, nope, they'll be in here soon enough whenever they're ready and when they when they need it. And they talk to me and tell me what they're doing. Uh, they're working hard, so you just you don't try to worry too much about it. But from an important standpoint, if you want to rank it, you know today's the most important day there ever was. You know because you know tomorrow's a, a hope and yesterday's a memory. So you try to focus on today. Yeah, Bobby, he summed up the perspective of all coaches everywhere. It's almost in their DNA for coaches to want to always have their hands on players. They want them close at all times. So they can do what they do, which is, well, coach. But I thought it was telling that Harbaugh also respects these grown men, grown professionals like Mark Andrews and Odell Beckham Jr., who are doing work on their own. We've seen OBJ post videos of his workouts with other top NFL wide receivers like DeAndre Hopkins. And, and I personally don't worry about Mandrews coming in in shape once he does arrive. And now I will say this. I do think all of these guys, because there is a new offense, I said the same thing for Lamar, because it's new, I do think at some point all these guys need to get into the OTAs. But as Harb said, he they will all be there eventually. And by the way, Bobby, I'm sort of wondering, this is kind of a side note to the OTA attendance, but if you heard John Harbaugh's voice, could you hear the happiness in it? It was like a more laid back Harbaugh that we haven't seen in a couple months. And for those that didn't see it, I can tell you he looked visibly just less stressed than he did throughout that entire Lamar Jackson negotiation. He's probably feeling just like the fan base is and that feeling of the pressure is gone. Now we can return to football again. And when he first came to the podium, Harbaugh declared with a smile on his face, quote, it's a great day for football. Every day is a good day for football. I feel like I've been listening to him say that for years and years, <laughs> but let's move to happenings on the field, Sarah. Live contact is not permitted during OTAs, and these guys can't do too much as they're still obviously learning the offense. But as limited as they are, who do you think stood out? Yeah, well, I'll turn to some reports from Baltimore Banners' Jonah Schaefer and then team reporter Ryan Mink because both those guys were in attendance. Now, Jonah said that wide receiver Tylen Wallace beat rookie cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly for a 35-yard jump ball touchdown down the left of the sideline. So good for Wallace there. I'm sure a learning moment for the rookie. And on defense, seemed like everybody was raving about pass rushers David Ojabo and Odafe Owe. Now Ming said, quote, Ojabo is having a blast. He's visibly in a good place physically and mentally after sitting out almost all of his rookie season. So he said that 
He went on to say that Ojabo stopped an outside rush by running back Justice Hill. And then he flashed several times these quick, nimble spin moves when it came to getting after the quarterback. Obviously, they're not allowed to actually have sacks, but Mink believes that those would have turned into sacks. And then Odafe had moments of his own sniffing out and end around in the backfield and also had some strong pass rush reps. But I've seen a lot of people say that Ojabo and Owe were the two that stood out in defense. Meanwhile, everybody's saying that Zay Flowers was heavily involved. Geno Stone, he notched an interception. And then new cornerback Rocky Sin, he recorded a pass breakup. And Bobby, just like Lamar mentioned in the first topic, both writers and again, reporters everywhere are commenting about Todd Munkin again and his commanding presence and his loud presence. So, Sarah, when Lamar Jackson met with reporters for the first time since signing his $260 million contract, he was pelted with questions, 24 to be exact. A vast majority of those inquiries were about Todd Munkin's new offense and just one referenced wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Yeah, and Bobby, not only was there only one question about Bateman, but Lamar's answer was brief. It was only seven seconds long, but it was strong. Take a listen. Oh, it's great to see my guy back out there. Receiver one, for sure. I'm glad to see him back healthy. Um, can't wait to hear on the field. Wide receiver one, for sure. That's what Lamar says about Bateman. You know, that sure sounds to me like a quarterback trying to boost and prop up his first round receiver who has been struggling to stay on the field since being drafted. As we know, Bateman has missed almost half of his career games. And remember, Bateman sounded off on a tweet that quoted Eric DaCosta, admitting that he hasn't drafted as well as he could at the position. We know that Bate later deleted that tweet when he was blasting EDC in the organization. And then I'm sure Bateman has heard that Lamar Jackson during that entire contract negotiation that Lamar, his quarterback, asked the front office to go out and see if they could sign OBJ and DeAndre Hopkins. You know, the Ravens didn't get Hopkins, but they did add OBJ. They got Nelson Aguilar and they used another first round pick on Zay Flowers. So you got to imagine Bate could be feeling a certain type of way. Yeah. And we've spent so much time talking about how Patrick Queen felt about the Ravens nabbing third round inside linebacker Trenton Simpson when he fell to them. Right. But if you're in Bateman's shoes, he's facing way more competition than Queen is. PQ's role as a starter isn't in doubt at all. We both agree there. And then EDC even said recently that he's still open to a long-term deal for Patrick. So anyway, meanwhile, three new faces have been added to the wide receiver room and Bateman had to hear his quarterback, Lamar Jackson, asking for those additions throughout the course of this offseason. Yeah, it is crazy. I actually want to give props to Bateman because he didn't write a sheesh you know, tweet like Queen did. We've all been talking about Queen, but it's really Bateman who's had all these new faces added to his room, which is why I think Lamar is trying to build Bateman up again by calling him wide receiver one. I don't think Lamar ever lost faith in Bateman, even though he asked for those additions, because let's not forget what he told the Lounge podcast, why he requested more receivers. I just go to ours. I'm like, um... Is it possible for us to land D Hop and Odell Beckham? <laughs> he was like, um, Mar, you know, we can't, we can't make that happen. We can't get both of them. You know, we have Rashad. I'm like, 
I'm not taking anywhere away from Bateman. Like, yeah. I love Bateman. Like, he a guy, he a number one receiver. But I'm like, we can just be loaded. That's how I'm looking at it, like a man type game. <laughs> man, you're trying, you're trying to build like, your franchise. I, I like yeah. Lamar the like, GM. That, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, like, man, turn, like, man, we can do anything. We just, I just want to win a Super Bowl. Like, yeah. So, yeah, again, I have to give Bateman props. Ever since he deleted that one tweet and he deleted a couple hours later, he's kept his head down. He's been focusing on rehabbing, and he hasn't complained one time about all these new additions. So I hope that if somebody like, I don't know, Odell Beckham Jr., here's Lamar calling Bateman wide receiver one. I hope OBJ receives it, you know, with some grace, because I don't think Lamar is giving a depth chart when he calls Bateman wide receiver one. I think Lamar is saying Bate can produce like wide receiver one. And to be honest, Bobby, if that's what Bateman does, if he were to produce even more than OBJ, that would be the best case scenario because OBJ is only under contract for one year. Bateman was drafted to be the future of this wide receiver core, and now he's got a partner with Zay Flowers. That's what they were both drafted to do. So let's hope Lamar is right and that Bateman truly is a wide receiver one. If that ends up being the case, the rest is gravy. But let's move on to the second thing that flew under the radar for you, Sarah. And we covered Lamar quite a bit on Thursday's morning vault. We talked about the new offense under Todd Munkin, what it's going to look like. So what did you feel like didn't get as much attention as you, you felt like it deserved? Yeah, so for sure we we covered all that and we should have with Munkin, but it's just this fact, Bobby, that Lamar is smiling again. And listen, I don't want to give the impression that he was totally unhappy last year, but 100%, it just seemed like he had this massive amount of weight that he was bearing on his back. He was dealing with an injury. He was dealing with missing the playoffs. He was dealing with his contract. He was dealing with media rumors, people calling him into question of whether he was supporting his team, which is the last thing that Lamar does. And then he had a deal with trying to be Superman when the Ravens didn't have a great supporting cast in the wide receiver room like there is now. But so much of that has now changed. And on Thursday, I tweeted a photo of Lamar Jackson with a big smile on his face from practice. And I wrote the following because I just want to point out how I think the world has just changed for Lamar. I said, Lamar Jackson was a unanimous MVP throwing to who? Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, Smith Roberts, Miles Boykin, and Chris Moore at wide receiver. I'm not naming the time at tight ends, by the way. Mark Andrews is huge, but I'm just naming the changes at wide receiver. And then I say he'll be throwing to OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, and Devin Duvernay. And he's healthy. And he negotiated a deal worth $52 million per year, which is the richest in NFL history. Oh, and he did it without an agent the way he wanted. And... He has a new offensive coordinator that has given him the keys to the offense, as he said, and free will. So I put up that that photo with him saying all that. And it's like, yeah, Lamar, I'd be smiling, too. And I just hope everybody is seeing this refreshed, new, happy Lamar Jackson. No, I'm with you all the way. We had the same observations. And not only did Lamar seem to feel more free and less stressed, but didn't you kind of feel like that? from the entire organization, like it's been yeah. a pretty brutal off season, a pretty brutal several, several months for everybody. And it almost feels as if that proverbial weight 
has been lifted off of their shoulders. So anyway, let's hit the third piece of news that fell underneath the cracks. What do you have? Yeah. Okay. So NFL owners, they voted to pass a significant rule change to kickoffs. And under this new rule, kickoffs that are fair caught anywhere behind the 25 yard line. So they can catch it at the one yard line, make a fair catch that will be brought out to the 25, just as if the kickoff had gone through the end zone. Yeah, I don't think enough people are talking about this one, Sarah. According to NFL reporter Albert Breer, the Ravens, Patriots, Bengals, Bears, and Lions, they all voted against it, and the Raiders abstained. Now, he also added that the proposal, quote, wasn't close to passing on Monday. Roger Goodell lobbied hard for it overnight and flipped a bunch of teams, close quote. Yeah, so Bobby, this one not only will have a major impact on how special teams coaches strategize on kickoffs, but it could have other roster implications too. And I thought the Athletics' Jeffs Rebeck did a good job spelling out a potential domino effect from from this. He says, "quote The new rule may not make kick returns obsolete, but it certainly figures to limit them. It also leads to the question of just how much the new rule could impact Baltimore's roster construction. The Ravens are known for earmarking a handful of spots on the back end of their 53-man roster for their better special teams players who likely wouldn't make the team based on their offensive or defensive roles. That practice may continue, but if you don't have to worry as much about returning and covering kickoffs, you probably don't need to keep as many special teams only players. Close quote. And still to come here on the vault, former Raven safety Tony Jefferson. He is returning to the organization in a new non-player role. Stay tuned for all that. Bobby, the last time we heard from safety Tony Jefferson as a member from the Ravens, that was last summer at the podium prior to 53-man roster cuts when he said this. Obviously, you know, I want to be a Raven, but I, I understand the, the technicalities that go with everything and all that. So uh, either way it goes, you know, <clears throat> I just was happy I was able to be, be back here with, with my family basically so and things don't work out then you know raving for life i'll tell you what sarah he may have spoken that into existence that day because as we learned thursday jefferson who's long expressed his interest in one day becoming an nfl general manager he is retiring from football and rejoining the ravens as a summer scouting intern as part of the Nun Wooten Scouting Fellowship. Yeah, you know, this is just another example of where the Ravens seem to kind of take care of their own, Bobby. It was just last year that former Raven Anthony Levine, he hung it up to become a player personnel assistant in Baltimore's front office. And don't forget, even though he's still in California, Eric Weddle has been doing some scouting for the Ravens too. They really do take care of their people and they couldn't have picked a better dude to take under their wing in Tony. Anyone who follows this guy on Twitter knows how impressive his football acumen is when it comes to evaluating and analysis and in-game tweeting and you name it, reacting quickly and on the fly. I, I just, he's a great Twitter follow. And hey, he had planned on transitioning to linebacker. We covered this, right, this offseason, but he just hadn't garnered any interest from around the league since he made that decision. So as a guy who turns 32 in January and, 
He has had his fair share of injuries. Perhaps the writing was on the wall for TJ. Yeah, while we're on the topic of former Ravens, by the way, before we totally move on from this, I saw Zardarius Smith made some headlines during his media session at the Browns OTAs earlier this week. Oh, yeah. You know, we had to include this one in here. Baltimore's fourth round pick back in 2015 is now a Cleveland Brown. Here he is. Man, it's going to be fun. Um, I know a small situation happened last year where I was supposed to go back, but it didn't work out. Um, but now that I get a chance to face them, man, it's going to be fun. I actually work out with a couple of guys in uh, Orlando, um, Gus, Gus the Bus. I've been telling them, hey, I catch him. I'm going to have to pop him one or two times. But, you know, it's all fun in games because we're still friends, man. And um, just can't wait to see John Harbaugh, see Lamar. It's going to be fun this year. Now, as for what happened with the deal that was supposed to be but never was last year, well, Smith addressed that situation for the first time. I don't know, man. It was something where somebody leaked something and said that I agreed to the deal, but I never did. Um, and a lot of Baltimore Ravens fans are upset about that. So like when I said, when I get ready to go back, it's going to be pretty fun because a lot of people may be booing and a lot of people may be you know, happy for me at the same time. So it's all funny games at the end of the day. Man. So apparently dirt off the shoulder for Smith. But Sarah, if there's one thing about Baltimore I've learned over the years, it's that this fan base, they don't forget. No. They do not forget. So, yeah, even if there was some mixed messaging with the apparent leaked information, I still expect, for one, I expect the booze to be raining down at the bank when Cleveland comes to town November 12th. But more importantly, Cleveland's D-line is about to be a major problem, even more so than it already has been with Smith and Miles Garrett playing opposite one another. Look out. Look out. 